Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reporting in progress. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Mitz. Today, we are previewing a big matchup. I would say the biggest match or one of the biggest matchups of the season, but it feels like that's every single game for the Kansas Jayhawks, Um, especially now that we're in conference play. It is Iowa State week. The men or the, the women just got done playing uh, Iowa State at home last night, actually, from when we're recording this. I was on hand for that victory. But the men are coming up this weekend, and Kansas gets to go up to Ames to take on the Cyclones up in Hilton. Joining me to preview that game, kind of talk about the state of the Big 12 at this point, is uh, from Wide Right Daddy Light, Levi Stevenson. Levi, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, it's it's always great to have you back. Look, your episodes are some of the longest episodes that I ever have, and yet they are some of the most downloaded episodes that I ever have. So there you go. We it's must be doing something right when you come on here. So, well, now as of a few weeks ago, now officially. Uh, oh yes, the, that's right. Uh, I forgot to even like the lead, like part of the yeah. or partnering with the ten twelve podcast network. Now, um, look, we've been looking for. Iowa State shows for quite a long time, and there aren't really that many that are actually any good or that are consistent. And, and I know, so we're really happy to have you guys on board um, to be working with you guys. And I can't imagine having any other Iowa State show joining us on the network. So, all right, we were we were happy to to, to partner up with you guys too, and it kind of worked out for everybody a little bit too because you know we have a, a fairly established presence or whatever in the oh, yeah. big sphere. So. You know, it's it helps you it helps ten twelve get their name out. It helps us get kind of cross references to other fan bases and stuff like that that aren't as familiar with us. And now we have kind of a new home for the ten twelve stuff on our Discord server. Oh yeah, like yeah, yeah. If you guys so, have not joined the Wide Right Nighty Light Discord server, look, I, you know, I had one out there for Blue Wings Rising that's kind of fallen by the wayside because it's a lot harder to keep up a Discord server than it looks like. Uh, and you guys do a fantastic job over there. I'm, I'm a moderator over there. We have a lot of fun. Uh, just talking with tons of different people from all around all of college sports. So, all right, let's go ahead and dive in. Cause look, this Iowa state team, um, I know that there was a lot of people that didn't really kind of know what to expect coming into the year. So let's start with that. What were the expectations for this Iowa state team from the fans, knowing what was coming back, knowing who was there and kind of how difficult this entire you know conference is going to be. Uh, I mean, I think the expectations were we were going to like be challenging for a spot in the tournament, basically like hoping to be bubble team or better and just kind of go with it because we knew we were going to be super, super young. Um, you know, you, you lose quite a veteran team like Jaron Holmes and, and Ocean Shuni and a few other people moving on and, you know, via graduating slash the transfer portal and all that. Um, it was, it was a fairly experienced team last year and transitioning very quickly to a very, very young team. Um, and that's one of those things where it's it's a little bit different than college football, where young teams can have success in college basketball. But you know, it's 
it's also just a lot more volatile too. So when you have a really young team, you just do not know anything about what's happening. You know, you've got a, you've got a good recruiting class coming. You got five star Omaha Blue. You've got Milan Lucilovich, um, a few other people that are coming in, both you know as freshmen and as transfers, um, and a few people coming back as well. Um, but you know, we were hoping like let's just get to the tournament. We'll you know uh, that'll be that'll be fine for this young young team, and we'll go from there. Yeah, um, it's turned out uh, quite a bit differently, though. I mean, you guys are up to 12 in Ken Palm, hi- higher than the Jayhawks. Um, it's been kind of up and down, but, I mean, 15-4 and four on the season. The losses that you do have, you know, neutral floor to Virginia Tech and Texas A&M when you guys are still trying to figure stuff out. Um, you know, and then you have, like, on the road at Oklahoma and on the road at BYU, which, you know, we've seen on the road in the Big 12 is absolutely ridiculous this year. Um, yeah. Yeah, already seen way too many upsets for all that. So, I mean, definitely seems like this team is is gelling at the right moment here, kind of coming into conference play. Um, you know, I think everyone expected Tame and Lipsy to, to be really good this year. Um, but I'm gonna be honest, I don't I don't know that there was any kind of real expectations for anyone else on this team. So who who has really stepped up and helped uh- kind yeah, of push this team where it guys. is yeah a few different guys i mean at times when Taman's not on the floor Keyshawn gilbert is typically the ball handler there he's been he's been up and down but generally he's, he's a good defender um can can be a little turnover at pro at times but he's a good defender and he can and he can score around the rim um uh you know bob jones rob robert jones has turned from i will <laughs> there are a lot of people that were not in on robert jones when he started he was very much a get on the floor, cause him, you know, get four fouls in ten minutes, and then just that's just all you're going to get from him. And now he's turned into an effective player. Um, he's he's a very very good and versatile defender. He can guard out on the wing. Um, and he's become a little bit better scorer down low. Um, but you know you've got you know one of the big ones, um, kind of two big ones. One one is a freshman Milan Mamchilovic. He's a he's a kind of a wing, you know. I mean, basically think Dirk Nowitzki, you know, can't hit the outside shot. Just, I mean, he, he, if you watch him play, he, you know, he uses Dirk's step backs and all that. Like he uses Dirk's fadeaway and all that. I mean, I mean, it's, it's clear, it's clear who, who he was watching tape of when he was growing up. Um, yeah, seriously. He's, he's just a really versatile scorer. He's a pretty solid defender, not like an amazing defender, but very solid, um, especially within Iowa State's team plays hard, but he's just a really, really versatile scorer. Um, if he gets in an ISO in the mid range, you're going to see that fade away, and he's going to knock it down more often than not. Um, and just you know, really, really nice, nice scoring piece for Iowa State, and hopefully he sticks around for a little while. Kind of a George and Yang type, different player than George and Yang, but just kind of a you know an early player comp as far as like just kind of overall efficiency, if maybe you want to call it that. Um, just just a good versatile scorer all the way around the floor. Right. Um, he 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 does it differently, but he gets similar results. Yeah, similar results, just in a, little, in a slightly different way. Yeah. Whereas George was just a super, super crafty finisher around the rim and, and all sorts, and could step out and hit threes and all sorts of stuff. But um, and the other one, actually, he's made a really big um, jump. I was not like 100% sold on him last year because he was limited minutes. You could tell he was trying to get up to speed still, but Hassan Ward has become a really critical piece of this of this rotation. Um, he's uh, he's uh, like a 6'8", 6'9", kind of guy, really long at really long really really athletic um not not a threat outside the paint to score at all um but a versatile wing defender that can he's a versatile defender that can go all the way out to the wing i mean there was uh, just last night in the kansas state game he was he was he picked somebody's pocket while he was guarding him on the wing in an iso situation you know it was you know he's really really good defender and he's one of the he's one of those guys where he knows he's not really he can't really score outside the paint so he tries to dunk everything if he has an opportunity to, he will, you know, he, he can take somebody off the dribble from the free throw line and, and try to dunk it from there. Basically um, really, really athletic causes a lot of problems on defense. Um, he's made a huge step forward and just makes tons and tons of hustle plays. The old space jam dunk. Yeah. I mean, Iowa State's <laughs> had a, Iowa State's had a handful got handful of guys like that over the years. Um, just where they're just, they're just trying to dunk everything. Like if you guys remember like Jamil McKay and yeah, it must be something yeah. about the corn. Yeah, something like that. Uh, you know, J- Jimmy McKay and like Isaiah Brockington kind of did that a, li- a little bit to Dustin Hogue. Um, if you guys remember, like, if you want real way throwback, you remember like Rashawn Clark way back in the oh my gosh, yeah, in late two thousands. Guy was an unbelievable athlete, but just 
you know, that's what he did was he dunked and he was really good at it. Um, you know, I would say he's had a handful of those guys over the years. Um, Melvin Edgem's another one. And, and just, just tons of hustle plays, really good athlete. He's, he's, um, been a great fit down low for Iowa State, who's actually a surprisingly very big. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, I, I, I do agree. I think it's a little surprising just how, how big this team is. I mean, they're, yeah, I don't see a single person under six foot on the roster, um, or no, at least and, that and gets playing team, time. Team and Lipsy is the smallest one. I mean, he's like six 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 foot six one or something like that. He's like he's not big per se. He plays big. He's a very very good rebounder. He plays big, um, but I mean, otherwise your entire rotation. You know, Keyshawn Gilbert's the shortest one at six four. Trey King's six seven. Milan six eight. Curtis is six four. Robert Jones is six ten. Hassan Ward's six nine. You know, yeah, it's a, they're a, it's a big team. Yeah, it's lots it's lots a, it's a little ridiculous, but yeah, Demarion Watson's been getting a lot more run recently. He's six seven. He's got arms forever. He just it, the very very long team that hustles and rebounds. So I mean this this team has kind of made its name this year, which I think is pretty normal for an Iowa State team on on their defense. Ranked number three for, TJ, and, for a TJ yeah. team, anyways. Well, <laughs> right, yeah. Sorry, sorry. You're you're right. You're right. Before for a long time before DJ, just, man. We're gonna we're gonna outscore everybody ninety five. Right. It was 90, like yeah. we're gonna launch threes. Actually, kind of like BYU is this year. We're we're gonna launch yeah. threes until yeah, you make BYU, us, make BYU us not is, do them. Is doing their best impression of holy ball. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. um, but I mean, looking at this team, third and third in defense over on Ken Palm, um, mm-hmm. number one in terms of turnovers and steals. So. Yes. I mean, what is that? Is that like scheme? Is that just having quick hands with guys? Or like, is there something specific that goes into it? Or is that just generally the way that Ottelberger likes to have them play? I mean, I think it's it's a combination of those things. It's definitely part of the scheme is doubling in the post. They, the, if they see a guard that's kind of lackadaisical, they'll go out and trap him 10 feet behind the three-point line. Um, it's, not, it's not a half-court trap defense, but they are very, very good at recognizing guys that are vulnerable to being trapped and guys that have put themselves in vulnerable positions to being trapped. Um, they're very, very active with hands. They're physical. They, they really get up in your face and they are just, they are running a hundred percent all the time where it's, it is, it is somewhat chaotic and that it like, it really, it forces offenses to speed up in the half court past where they're comfortable. And if you have offenses that are running faster than they're comfortable with. They're throwing weird swing passes. And you got guys like Keyshawn Gilbert that are really good at ju- and Tisa Tame and Lipsy, both that are jumping in, you know, jumping into passing lanes and picking off passes and stuff like that. It's a very chaotic defense to play against a very physical defense. Um, and it's a, it's a pretty smart defense too, where they, they just do a really good job of um, forcing turnovers down in the paint. Like I said, they can, they can trap and force you into weird positions, even beyond the three point line. Um, there are times because of their youth, they can be a little bit slow to rotate on shooters. Like if they do, if a team does a really good job of passing it around the outside or getting a really good skip pass in, you know, they can be at times they can get caught behind in the rotation, which is not unusual. I mean, that's just, you know, that's how you beat that kind of defense. Right. Um, but that's, you know, they do a great job of making even your half court offense very, very uncomfortable to operate in. Yeah. I mean, and, and looking, you know, obviously, since they're one of the best in the nation in conference play, they've been phenomenal in forcing steals and causing turnovers. Surprisingly though, Kansas is a team that I think for the longest time we've been talking this year about them being extremely turnover prone. Um, that's kind of calmed down inside of conference play, but I mean, how, how big of an issue do you think that that's going to be in this game coming up? Um, I mean, if you look at like the Kansas state game, I mean, or not the Kansas state game at the, the TCU game, they forced TCU into 30 turnovers. I mean, they had TCU, oh had, like 19, <laughs> TCU had like 19 turnovers at halftime, I think is what it was. Um, I mean, they were, you know, th- that's a, a team that is a little bit turnover prone and Iowa State made a meal of it. Um, they see, let me see if I can find it. 27 turnovers on the game. Yeah. I, I mean, they're just tons and tons of stuff. They for, Iowa State had 18 steals that game. Well, and that was even more impressive given the fact that you guys were on the road for that one, so. No, that was at home. That was, oh, oh, that was? For some reason, I thought that yeah, was on the road. No, that was in Hilton, but yeah, they forced 18 steals that game and 27 total turnovers. I mean, it's a, it's a team that is more than happy to feast on teams that are lackadaisical or careless. Uh, wait a minute. No, TCU was definitely down in Fort Worth. <laughs> huh? You guys were down oh, yeah, in Fort Worth. You're right. I was like, wait a minute. I was like, wait a minute. It was in Fort Worth. Yeah. I was like, no, I was like, right. oh man, I remembered it right. being down in Fort Worth. And then Ken Palm was like, it was an away game. Yeah, I was no, like, yeah. oh, you're right. Like, huh? It was on the road. Cause I remember playing. I, I don't like TCU's court. It's too bright. Oh gosh. Like, They're, they have I, I don't, like the pattern doesn't bother me, but it's the, it's the fact that it's virtually white. 
crazy. Well, right. It's it's the combination. I think if if it was the pattern by itself or yeah. the the color of it by itself, I would be okay with it either way. But to yeah. combine those two things together is just not ideal. Ugh. Anyway, yeah. So that was on the road at, in TCU's arena where they forced eighteen steals and twenty seven total turnovers. It's just a it's a team that is more than happy to feast on any of that type on on, on a careless pass or a or a lackadaisical dribble. Um, yeah, and I mean, you better believe that they're going to be on it for Kansas. I was to say, I don't think I don't think Kansas, um, you know, is is immune to those. I mean, they've had quite a few of those. We we saw quite a bit against Cincinnati. I do wonder just how much Kansas is really pressing at this point, and and obviously health has been an issue for the Jayhawks. Um, Bill self talking after the game on Monday against Cincinnati that both Kevin McCuller and Hunter Dickinson were dealing with knee issues. Um, but the emergence of a guy like Johnny Furphy, who gives Kansas, I think, a different dimension. Like, I, I think looking at this game and you know, preparing for this game, it looked a, lo- a lot different, I think, now than it did even just a week ago. What what kind of wrinkle does that give Iowa State as they're trying to defend what the Jayhawks are doing? You know, I don't think they're going to necessarily – I don't think they're going to change anything they've been doing. They, they defend at most teams roughly the same. Um, just they're trying to, you know, for – the teams that are going to have the most success against Iowa State are is maybe a team like BYU that can take and make a lot of threes. Um, that's the type of team that's going to be you know successful against against an against our defense. Um, but I mean, I mean, like Kansas can can shoot it all right or whatever. They're not, but they're not they're not like hunting for threes every possession like BYU is. Um, and you know, like I said, I don't I don't think they're going to like I don't think that that's going to change how they're going to approach this game defensively. Um, they because they're just they're really solid um, down low defensively, and and obviously Tame and Lips and Keyshawn Gilbert are both outstanding defenders on their own. So you know I, I mean it's kind of hard to say because like I said they, they're it's not going to change how the defensive scheme change it's not the, the defensive scheme isn't going to change at all. So um, I don't know you know it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that helps Kansas and you know if they can get more efficient if they can get more production out of a player. Um, well, and I think but, coming into this game even like a week ago thinking about it, like you were worried of like Iowa state's probably going to completely shut Kansas down on the perimeter because they didn't really have anybody that was consistent. Um, but now having Furphy and the energy that he brings and kind of the ability to get those extra shots, um, I think does help the Jayhawks. Speaking of extra shots though, like, um, offensive rebounding, I think both of these teams have kind of struggled. Uh, well, I'm sorry. No, Iowa state's actually doing okay inside a conference play. But Kansas is not doing nearly as well, but Iowa State is giving up quite a few of them as well. Like, how how worrisome is that? Is that something that's been fairly recent, or has that kind of been an issue in general? Just, like, well, you wouldn't think that giving up offensive rebounds would be as much of an issue with the size that this Iowa State team has. Yeah, it's kind of a weird, it's, I don't know, it's kind of strange. They're, they can be they can be a really good rebounding team at times. You know, Son Ward is a good rebounder. Kamen Lipsy is an outstanding rebounder as a point guard. Um, but I mean, he's still just a six-one point guard. I mean, he can't he can't be your leading rebounder. Um, you know, I, you know, it's kind of a weird thing. They're they're always in position to get rebounds, just for whatever reason, they just have trouble bringing them down. I'm not not entirely sure why. Um, but you know, they've got the size and the athleticism to be a a really really good rebounding team, and they and they and they play hard and stuff like that too. Just I think at times there's some maybe some mental lapses and stuff like that where they just they get focused on they get focused on trying to get in transition or something like that. And they just kind of check out a little bit on the rebound opportunity. Yeah. I mean, and I'm going to be honest with as many good rebounders as there are in the big 12. If you check out for even, you know, two seconds, you're going to put yourself in a pretty bad situation. So, um, yeah, I'm very interested to see check out on anything for more than two seconds. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, um, I'm very interested to see how Kansas is going to be able to find success offensively just with the kind of injuries that they have. I mean, Kevin McCuller shot like 20, I think he shot 24 shots or something like that against Cincinnati and, you know, only scored 20 points. So it took quite a bit. It was a very inefficient 20 points. Um, and, that, and that's the kind of thing that I would say it's going to try to do is make it ugly. And they're like, yeah. they're going to try to make it a very ugly, unpleasant game. It, it is a little weird because I do think it's helpful for the Jayhawks that they just played a game against a team like that in Cincinnati. I do think you guys do it better. Than Cincinnati we do, does, we do, we do it quite but, a bit better than Cincinnati right, does. Right, right, yeah. but but I do think it's at least you're at le- somewhat yeah, you're familiar at least there with the play style anyway. Right. So it's not totally catching you off guard. But yeah, I would say it's 
quite a bit better at it than Cincinnati yeah, is. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's let's switch over to the other side of the ball because, you know, Kansas's defense <laughs> has been pretty good. Um, not quite as good as, as Iowa State's, but the Iowa State offense has struggled at times this year. Um, thoughts in general about, I mean, is it a, like, or I, I should say, what type of style do they typically like to play this year in terms of, you know, I mean, I don't know. It's it's really weird because <laughs> I, I have honestly, no idea what to make of this Iowa State the, team offensively. The offensive strategy is take it one possession at a, try, at a time, try to get a bucket however you can get it, and then go down and ruin somebody's life in the defensive end. That is, that is the offensive game plan. Um, the half there's not really like a concerted effort necessarily to find a particular score or anything like that. It is as much as I hate to say it. it sometimes it is truly just a let's find a bucket. So what you're saying is. The fact that it feels like street ball is not off off base. Like it feels like they're just going out and playing like pickup basketball in terms of offense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they 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 are they do not run. They're not like a like a Fred Hoiberg team. They don't run a lot of sets or anything like that. They just kind of do some stuff, do some motions, some screens. But I mean, they'll do some. They'll run some sets, but not not very many. Uh, a lot of times, it just starts with Keyshawn Gilbert or Tame and Lipsy um, running off of uh, uh, running off of a screen, or they'll do some kind of some wheel basic wheel motion dribble handoffs and stuff like that which i have no idea why a college basketball is suddenly obsessed with dribble handoffs <laughs> you know they're like I, I don't i don't understand why college basketball is obsessed with that now no I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be honest there's way too many of them that should be called offensive fouls because of the way that they do them it's just yeah kind of they, they they kind of operate as a moving screen but you can't really call a moving screen on the ball handler so it's kind of a weird like exploitation of the rules right exactly yeah it's yeah, it's, 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 it's it's kind it's of weird. a they're moving while handing the ball off and so like at what point do they have to stop before you call a moving screen also and, i want to make it yeah. known here that i'm a firm believer that moving screens being called personal fouls is the dumbest shit of all time oh it's it's so i dumb. agree like like the idea that you could just you could foul out of a game by setting five moving screens is insanity that's the dumbest shit i've ever heard right it should, I, like, it should I, just I, be a turnover no idea yeah, just make it a turnover, just like if a ball went out of bounds or if there was a goaltender or something like that. Just turn the ball over and go the other direction. I know, like, I know, I know. The, what's, what's the, the, uh, what is the, what are we yeah. trying to accomplish by making it a personal foul? Like, I know that, I know the Kansas women would not complain about that at all because they get called yeah. for them often enough. So, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just, I don't know. It's one of those things that drives me crazy because, like, if you get like, Someone gets a foul early on, but then they get called for a moving screen on the other end of the floor. Well, now they've got two quick fouls, and they're going to get taken out of the game just because they set a moving screen. Like, come on. Yeah, that's happened to Hunter a few times. It's happened to KJ a couple times. Uh, like, it just complete nonsense. Um, yeah, and I, I don't know. I, I hope that on Saturday too. I think Saturday's going to be a lot of fun. Being on CBS, we probably get like Bill Raftery or something like that. I think that'll be fun. Um, I have to admit, I'm not happy at all about it being on CBS because Kansas's record on. CBS in non-tournament games is not great. So, I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah, I know you are. I know you are, but I'm not concerned about that. Uh, <laughs> but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, Hilton is Hilton. It's Iowa State and Kansas. I mean, as much as like a lot of fans across the Big Twelve be like, "Oh, this is the biggest rivalry." This big rivalry. I mean, for a long time, this was the biggest rivalry, and I would argue that it might still be. Um, I mean, there's been, you know, here's and there's, you know, like that, that Kansas, that famous Buddy Heald, Kansas, Oklahoma game, obviously is a, an all timer. And like, there's, been oh yeah, good Kansas has lots of really good games with people, but ever since Missouri left, I think the most consistent rivalry back and forth that's been one competitive and two, you know, I don't want to say vitriolic, but definitely, um, very emotional, well, I think, for both of the it's, fan bases. It's it's, it, yeah. it, it's it's an impactful game virtually every season where it means something. Both fan bases are obviously extremely passionate. If you talk to Fran Fraschilla, it is one A and one B for the best college, you know, best home court advantages in college basketball. And oh I, yeah, you know, anybody that knows ball would agree. Oh with gosh, them. yeah, I think I mean I think Hilton is easily top five, like easily, I mean, like I mean, nationally. I mean, um, oh, oh yeah, no no question. Right, about right, it, yeah. and so and so I mean like. There's lots of people that talk about Kansas being one in just in terms of like the the stadium and everything and and then yeah. also also the home court advantage. But I, I mean I think even just you look at Hilton itself, just the atmosphere watch and everything the, is at least watch the game last night and yeah. tell me that Hilton Coliseum is an home oh, court gosh. advantage. Um, last night the, the Houston game, you know, I mean watch any of those and it's you know I mean Kansas has has dealt with that too where Hilton can bury you pretty fast. Oh yeah, um, yep. I'm not and, looking forward to it. We'll see though. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's interesting, but it's always that's the great part about this about this rivalry though is that it they, it routinely produces entertaining, competitive games all the time. 
even if Kansas is clearly a, a significantly better team than Iowa State, Iowa State always plays well against Kansas for the most part. Um, I mean, aside from the one abomination of the 2019-2020 season, you know, aside from that, the games yeah. are always pretty competitive. Um, there's upsets on the road and stuff like that. I mean, it's a it's a big deal, and it has been for a long time. I mean, yeah, I mean, ever since Missouri left. But even, I mean, yeah, I mean, really, ever since Missouri left, it has been the 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 biggest and most competitive rivalry in the Big 12. Yeah, and, I mean, even, and, yeah, even when you look at all the other teams as well, so. Yeah, I mean, like, because, like, Baylor's had their years, and Oklahoma's had their years, and, you know, every every team in the Big 12 has kind of had their ups and down years forever, but I would say in Kansas have been kind of the stalwarts uh, as far as being really competitive um, on a year-in, year-out basis for the last decade and a half. Oh, yeah. Um, it's intense. I mean, it's I would say in Kansas is a fabulous basketball rivalry that not enough people talk about as being a really, really intense rivalry. Yeah, I'm hoping it's one of those that gets two games every year or more years than not. So, um, I, I mean, I'm I'm... I'm pretty disappointed they didn't protect it as a as a home and home. I'm I mean I think as far as basketball matchups go, I mean this is one of them they should have protected. I yeah, I, I know that there's a lot of people that were upset with a lot of the ways that they did the the scheduling philosophy. Um, for both football and basketball, Iowa yeah. State Farmageddon isn't a protected rivalry in football, which is crazy. Yeah, I mean, and that's an issue more of I don't think they wanted to give Kansas State two different protected rivalries, and it's not like I mean, you can put Farmageddon over the Sunflower Showdown, unfortunately. Yeah, I, mean, I, I guess, but like, I just, mean, I mean, you guys could easily put it over, <laughs> I mean, but the, it is the longest continuously running rivalry in college football. No, I, I agree. I agree. It's, I don't know. The, the idea that that's not protected is crazy down to me. But <laughs> I mean, even if, but if they had said, okay, we can't protect Farmageddon, but we'll protect Iowa State, Oklahoma State, which has been an extraordinarily competitive matchup for the last 10 years or so, you know. Yeah, I, I was surprised that they didn't protect one mind. of each, like one for every team, right, in the in the new conference. But because I guess, Oklahoma, did Oklahoma State, is Oklahoma State, Texas Tech are protected? No, no. The only ones that they protected were the in state ones. So you have yeah, because they protect. So you have Baylor, 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 TCU. You uh, have uh, Arizona, BYU, Arizona Utah. State, BYU, Utah, and Kansas, Kansas State, and that's it. So, I mean, I, I, I can it's understand. Me, me, I can understand them setting a line. I just don't know that they set the right line. I don't set the right. I don't think they set the right line either. I mean, you're yeah. looking. I, to me, you you have to look back at like the you know original six or whatever you want to call it, where it's you know it's Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma State have been in this conference since it was the Missouri Valley Conference. Oh, I know. And it's crazy, like since, you know, for over, well over a hundred years, and to me, the idea that you're not that there may be some re, some years where, you know, one of those schools may only play one other of the original Missouri Valley schools is crazy to me. Like, I mean, that's just, to me that like, I get the whole like, oh, we want to make sure everybody plays, you know, plays every team three out of four years or something like. Like, I get it. I could never play UCF. I would not give two shits. I don't care about UCF. I don't care if we ever play them. I will never care about playing. UCF. I really don't care about them anymore after, you know, what they did. <laughs> I, I, UCF is, I don't know. I find UCF to be a, a deeply annoying school. Like their existence has been only annoying to me. The 2017, <laughs> the, the 2017 thing where there were their fake national championship. That was incredibly stupid to me. Oh, like, I thought it was hilarious, but like, they have not no, in they, a no, like, good, hilarious way. Not in a fun, not in a fun way. It's just like, I yeah. don't know. It's just a lot of bitching. But then anyway. like, they, they have no historical <laughs> rivalries. I don't know. I don't I don't care about that. Like Cincinnati's kinda cool, I guess, but I don't you know I don't really care about playing BYU that much, but Jamie Pollard apparently does. I don't Oh gosh, yes. He was lobbying extremely hard for yeah. that one. So So meanwhile, he's he's like, Oh, I want to play BYU all the time, but then says that Kansas State, Iowa State's not a rivalry. You Jamie. Like so, shut up. Like that's I don't know. I know. I know plenty of people go, that I got go all day. I know plenty night. of people that got blocked by Jimmy Pollard on Twitter because of Farmageddon related stuff. So amazingly, Wide Right Night Light is still go, is going on now in 15 years of not being blocked by Jamie Pollard. I don't know how you of guys all have managed to not be right. By right. Jamie exactly. Pollard, that, one, <laughs> that has been openly critical of Jamie in the recent years or whatever. Yeah. I mean, just in August, we wrote an article about, you know, how he should sell beer in the stadium, even though we know he's very thorny about that particular t- you know, topic. Like I was fully expecting to get a block after that or whatever, but man, we didn't. I don't know. But That's really weird. Just, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So really, really quick though, I do have to ask, like, to 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 jump back to basketball, because with as good as this defense has been, they don't really turn or they don't appear to be turning that into offense very much. 
you look at the fast break points per game, you know, and kind of like how much of their points they get on fast breaks. And it's not very much. It's like, it's, you know, bottom third of the country. Yeah. Um, they, when, the, when they do get a steal, a lot of times they're inclined to just slow it steal, up, find a, find a point guard and, and just march it up the floor type of thing. So they don't really push it in transition. Um, I mean, when they can, they do, but like, they're not they're not a team that's hunting for transition opportunities like an old I like an old Fred Hoiberg team or something like that where they're really trying to run. They're not they're not that at all. Which is so what you're saying is they it's give really up. funny because TJ Otzelberger coached at Iowa State as an assistant under both Greg McDermott and Fred Hoiberg, and he runs an opposite that is not like any is nothing like the offenses that those two coaches run. Yeah, so I find I, I just find it weird with how many opportunities that they give themselves. Like you would think that you would want to take advantage of the broken plays, not let them set up defense and, you know, get out there and get some easy points. And for some reason, I would say just doesn't do it. So they, they seem to, I mean, there's, there are times where that drives me crazy, but there are, but they are typically more content to just take their time and go up the floor and get something set up, I guess. I guess, they don't but, run a lot, but they don't run a lot of set plays. Yeah. I know the offense is not great. Like, I mean, it's, I mean, it's top 60, I guess it's fine, but like, it's not, it's not bad, but it's not, it's not good. I wouldn't say like, it's not like a, Oh, I'm, wonder how many points I would say it's going to score today. It's like, well, hopefully we can score 50. And if we do, we're probably going to win. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, it's one of those kind of things. Ugh. So, you know, it's, it's, I, I need Iowa state to score enough. That's all I need. <laughs> they just need to score enough. And they, they have been doing that where they've been scoring enough. You know, when they played at TCU and they won on the road and forced all those steals, Tame and didn't play that game. Right. Um, and he he played last night, and we you could tell he's still not fully up to speed after that shoulder. Um, I think he'll be. I think yeah. I think by Saturday he'll probably be fine. Um, but you know, I mean, was, if he wants to take a little bit longer to recover completely, yeah, yeah. I, I'm perfectly okay with that. Yeah. Um, so you know, it, it, the TCU game and this game forced Iowa State to kind of figure out how to beat good teams without either with entirely without Tame Lipsy or with Tame Lipsy being almost a net negative. Um, so they've they've had to figure that out and they've and they've done that they've figured out how to win without Tame and Lipsy, um, which is a good which is a good sign. Curtis Jones has finally started to look like a competent Big Twelve player. Um, he's been hitting threes a lot more. He hit a big one last night against Kansas State. Um, having him show up and start knocking down shots is a huge huge boost for Iowa State because um, he was getting lots of minutes and just not making anything. He was shooting like 12% from three to start the conference play. Oh, my God. <laughs> he's, been, he was really bad to start off with. So you're saying last... it was West Virginia levels of three-point shooting? <laughs> oh, it was not good. Um, <laughs> oh. But now, you know, it's just kind of one of those things. He's up to 30, he's up to 30% now in conference play. starting at 12. So he's, he's, he's working his way. Up. Yeah, he's, he's um, going from bad to to decent he's taking a while he's taking a yeah, while to he get went there from but... like he went from really bad to now you probably actually need to have a defender in front of him yeah um but you know yeah so i mean one thing though that you do not need to give any time to get better would be uh the collection of fantastic apparel from our sponsor here on the podcast the charlie hustle clothing company charlie hustle a vintage inspired clothing company based right here in kansas city they have all kinds of fantastic stuff 30 plus schools all of the Big 12 except for Cincinnati. Come on, Cincinnati, what are you doing? Um, but they've got fantastic stuff. The Kansas collection is great. The Iowa State collection is great. Yes, even the Kansas State collection is just absolutely phenomenal. There actually is a few Kansas State football shirts that I want, the the beef for the linemen and all of that. So, I mean, that's how good it is. Um, if you go over to charliehustle.com, use promo code 101215, you can get 15% off of all non-sale items. That is TN1215. That is not a one-time code. That's not a first-time shopper code. That is a whenever you want to go over there and add to your collection, you can use that that promo code. So I highly recommend you guys write that down. Head on over there, take a look. And right now they are running a competition for the rest of this week between the four, I guess, four local schools. I don't know why Arkansas is included in this, but it's uh, it's it's Kansas, Kansas State, Arkansas, and Missouri, and they are competing. You know what? It's it's probably the Missouri Arkansas rivalry is is what it is. But they are all competing to raise the most money for coaches versus cancer with the shirts that are being sold from from the individual coaches. You can give Kansas a big boost. Last I saw, Kansas State was winning. Kansas was right behind. Uh, so let's go give them a big boost and get them, you know, get Bill Self pushed up into the lead. Iowa State fans, I'm, I'm begging you, please don't let Kansas State have this. You know, you can go help us out. So, Well, everyone knows that if Kansas State gets second in that poll, they're just going to say people were throwing stuff at their bench and they were saying mean things. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but... 
CharlieAuthor.com, promo code 101215. I'm not sure if it'll work for those shirts, but there's plenty of other stuff. So it's I, I, I highly recommend you head over there. So uh, Charlie Hustle, vintage made fresh. All right. I do want to jump out and kind of talk keys of the game and the Big 12 as a whole. But, but before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk podcast. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we're back. I'm here with Levi Stevenson of Wide Right Natty Light, the newest members of the 1012 Podcast Network. Uh, really appreciate having you guys on. And, of course, we are talking Iowa State, Kansas, the one of the big games coming up this weekend. It's an absolutely packed weekend. But I think this is probably one of the highlights that gets us kicked off pretty early. Um, we've already kind of gone through what Iowa State does. But I, I, at this point, I'm curious, you know, what do you think is going to be, like, the biggest key to this game? Because, you know, we've seen Kansas play really well on the road. We've seen Kansas play not really well on the road. We've seen them do a lot of different things, and I think Iowa State's been up and down enough that I'm not entirely convinced that I know what's going to happen here. So what what do you think is going to be the most important determining factor for how this game turns out? Uh, probably outside shooting for both teams. Um, if Kansas can knock down some threes, then they're going to force Iowa State to rotate around, and they might get some more stuff in the paint. Um, if they're, you know, and they're going to probably need to shoot above their average. Um, from three. If Iowa State can get can get something going from outside and start knocking down a few threes, and all of a sudden you're a competent offense, you know, a top so you're and you're playing like a top thirty offense. If you're playing a, as a top, if you're playing like a top thirty offense with a number three, you know, number three ranked defense with a number one turnover percentage, that's a that's a really hard team to beat, especially at home, um, especially at our home, right and. So it's it's one of those things where, I you know, in the thing the thing about shooting from outside too is it it gets the crowd it changes how the crowd reacts to when Iowa State makes threes crowd gets loud when Kansas makes three or when the away team makes threes crowd gets a little bit quieter. So not only does it you know will that affect um, you know how the, the kind of pace of the game and and how Iowa State's rotating defensively and stuff like that, but if Iowa State is able to make a few. Um, make a few shots from outside that gets the crowd into it because they're you know then they'll make maybe you'll force a defensive stand or grab a turnover something like that that's that's how you turn you know i if iowa state can make some stuff from outside they can you know they can come up with a six or an eight oh run really fast just by just by way of forcing a turnover on the other end and when you get an eight oh run in hilton coliseum shit starts getting crazy and that's uh that's going to be the thing too. So if, if Iowa State can get something going from outside, I I, I like the chances here um, to use use that use the defense use the use that home court advantage to power through to a win. Um, but if Kansas is able to knock down threes from outside like BYU was able to, then rotations kind of get messed up a little bit, and then they get, Iowa State kind of gets panicky because they're not a they. It's kind of weird. They're I would say it's kind of bad at playing with a lead, but they're pretty good at coming back. Strangely, even, which is it's really weird because they they're not a, like a great offensive team. Um, but you know, if they are able to knock down some threes and God forbid hit some free throws, um, 
you know, that's, that's the kind of thing that can help you. If you get out to a six or an eight point lead, that's what, it, that's the kind of, those are the things that you can use to keep the other team at arm's distance is knocking down free throws and hitting three here and there. Well, I mean, so I think a team like Iowa state, that's just trying to get a bucket. That's, I think that's with a team, though, that's as good defensively as Iowa State is, it actually kind of makes sense that they're good at coming back because the way that you key a big run to come back in a game is stops on defense. Yeah, stops on defense. When, you, when you're up, you know, you, you tend to relax just a little bit. Like, you know, it's, you're not quite as focused necessarily on defense. And, I mean, it's, right. it's, it's, it's usually not a huge difference, but it's at least enough that a team that is behind, as long as they haven't gotten demoralized by, you know, just – ridiculously getting beaten down all game long it's it's a very uh it, it gives them that extra kick to try to come back it's also why you see so many you know so many times where a team starts to come back and then they just run out of energy because they've used it all in the comeback um i am kind of curious to see how willing iowa state's going to be to shoot threes because they don't shoot threes very often at all not a lot um which is i think a little weird they're, they're getting they're getting they're getting more comfortable with it in the last few games where they're taking some, they're, they're, they're finding and taking them a little bit more than they did to start the season. But yeah, they're not a team that's hunting for threes or anything. Right. Which, which I think helps the Jayhawks because the Jayhawks are not very good at closing out on threes, apparently um, as, as we found out against West Virginia. So, um, you know, I do think it will kind of help Kansas a little bit there. I'm, I think I'm much more interested in what the turnovers are going to look like because Kansas has had plenty of times where turnovers have caused problems. But then they go and play, you know, an Oklahoma team and only have two turnovers the lowest that they've ever had. Um, and I so, like, one other thing that could that could affect this thing too that was a, a factor last night. They called forty four fouls last night. Oh gosh! If if we are playing with a whistle heavy game, that favors Kansas because Kansas is. I don't know how good mm. free throw shooting team Kansas is, but I would say it is worse. I promise you. Yeah, the uh, problem is that Kansas reason. doesn't have any depth though. Like right now. You know, well, the fair. game against that's, that's the fair. game against yeah. Cincinnati, they literally only had two bench points, and it was El Marco Jackson hitting two free throws to seal the game at the very end. <laughs> like, okay. yeah, in- interesting. I guess I hadn't I hadn't thought about that yet. Yeah, Kansas so has if, like no depth at all right now, if, which is if not this great. Turns into if this turns into a whistle heavy game like it was last night, that's going to change some stuff. Wherever Iowa State can't hit threes and Kansas has no depth, so it's you know it's it's you know. But if it but if it's if it's light. That probably favors Iowa State being just generally the more physical team, and they've, the more physical team is going to probably take advantage of, or be able to take more advantage of a light whistle. So I don't know. It'd be I'll be curious to see how that changes things because it you know especially in those whistles too they interrupt the flow of the game. So if you know if one team is has got a lot of something going, Kansas is maybe knocking down some shots or something like that. All of a sudden, if they get into a stretch where they're committing fouls or something like that, that's a really good way to slow down a run. Well, all I can say is as long as we don't have, you know, 15 moving screen calls, um, you know, (laughs) then we should be okay. They didn't call, maybe they called one last night, but it was all (laughs) like ticky tacky, like reach ins and like stuff at the rim. It was, it was really weird. I don't know. There was, it was a bad. I just, I want them to decide if it's going to, if they're going to allow it to be a physical game or if they're going to call a bunch of touch fouls because that's the biggest problem that Kansas had had all year long. I want it to be consistent. Well, yep. and that that's true for Big Twelve teams when they get to the tournament too, because a lot of times in the Big Twelve they kind of let guys play a little bit or whatever. So it's it's a physical physical league that guys are used to being able to bang around a little bit, whatever. But then they get to the tournament and all of a sudden now they're whistling everything because now they're playing now they're playing with like an ACC official and they're calling everything and it's yeah. like well okay we played this entire season developing our team around this style of officiating in our conference and now we have to go play with an entirely different style of officiating yeah it's a little strange it's it's stupid like like, i mean (laughs) there's just there's just not consistency in how games are officiated anymore i don't know that there ever has been i'm gonna be honest so (laughs) i shouldn't say anymore there just there is no consistency in how games are officiated it's just you know differently inconsistent yeah i I mean i think it's really going to come down to like you said if kansas has done a fairly good job of holding up on fouls especially when the when they when the whistle gets a little bit tight except for Johnny Furphy for whatever reason the, the refs like to call fouls on him for everything um he got called he got called for a foul when someone stepped on his foot um like it's <laughs> ridiculous yeah yeah <laughs> so that that kind of stuff yeah yeah i would say it is currently sitting at 246 in the country in free throw percentage just under 70% as a team <laughs> Bad. Yeah, that's not good. The, guys that, the problem is that the guys that are taking free throws are like Bob Jones and Cam and Anasan Ward and stuff like that. They're 
Bob Jones is shooting. Well, they also don't. I mean, they've done better. They recently, get to the free throw oh no, no, never mind. I'm looking at the wrong stuff. I'm, I'm looking at the defensive well, side where they're not great at over keeping fifty percent. So, so well, I guess in conference play, Robert Jones is only at forty five percent, but for the season, he's at fifty one or fifty two. But like, I mean, the problem is he's getting to the line, and and Hassan Ward is getting to the line, and stuff like that. And they're just not yeah. free throw shooters. So it's like, I don't know. It, like getting the line is fine, I guess, but <laughs> it's not the right guys getting to the line. I yeah, I think the one player as well. Keyshawn Gilbert aren't as good from the free throw line as they should be. Looking at the only, one, looking the at only the, one that can make him is Milan Mumchilovich, and he's eighty. He's eighty six percent. So I guess if he gets fouled, great. But well, we'll just make sure we stay away from him when it comes time to foul. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, the only other thing that I can think of that would have a huge impact on this game is how willing is Dewan Harris going to be to shoot? Um, because like you saw him early this year, put up like twenty three points against Kentucky when they really needed him. But he, you know, started feeling it early and kept shooting, whereas I don't know that he's really gotten to that point yet where he's willing to do that. I, I, I'm hoping the fact that they don't have a ton of options right now will kind of help him break out of that shell. We'll just have to see who who is actually able to step up for this for this particular game. But, I mean, Kansas runs, uh, let's see, they run nine players in terms of what they actually consistently play. But two of those players get, like, two minutes a game. So, like, they're really playing seven players at most, uh, which is going to be difficult, I think, for them to kind of sustain over the course of the season. It's also why, you know, Bill Self was was talking about this um, after the Cincinnati game that, you know, you don't – or you need a lot of depth and bench play and rest now in the college regular season. When you get to the NCAA tournament, you know – timeouts are a minute longer halftime is like really long like you have tons of time to get your guys more rest and get them ready to go so right i was looking at i was looking at kansas on ken palm interestingly it's interesting that they are number one in the country in assist to, in assists per field goal made oh yeah um so the number they're I mean 70 percent of their assists or their field goals are assisted yep but they take threes less than less than almost anybody only 30 percent of their field goal attempts are threes Yep, that's interesting. Like they like they just don't shoot from outside. No, they have tons of interior passing. I mean, they have KJ Adams and Hunter Dickinson who are both really good interior passers. Um, right, but they're also really good at interior like passing to each other. Um, right. Kansas does a ton of you know cuts to the basket and and throwing it in that way. But I think there was one game where they had like twenty five assists on twenty six made shots or something ridiculous like that. Like they are taking advantage of that athleticism gap that they have to really kind of push it and and give them opportunities to be able to find assists that most teams wouldn't the problem has been that when they're hunting for those assists they also open themselves up to a lot of turnovers too so um i think that's kind of going to kind of be one of those things to, to balance so all right so so let's go ahead and uh Taking a look at this game, I mean, like, what are your expectations for how this game is going to go then? I, I think, obviously, being an Iowa State fan, be, it being up in Hilton, you're expecting a win. But, um, I mean, do you think it's going to be a, a close game the entire way through? Is one team going to get up and you're going to have a big combat? Like, wh- how do you oh, expect no, this is the gonna game be, to go? I, I, the, way, the way virtually every conference game has gone this way, gone for Iowa State so far, is they get a hot start. They get up to, like, a 10-point lead, like, within, like, the first five minutes of the game. And they hang on to like a ten, you know, ten to you know, a five to ten point lead for a while, and then they give it away towards the end of the half, and they go into half like five, only up by like three or something like that. And then, or or if they hang on to it in half, they're up by ten. Then right after half, they give up a run, and it becomes a tie game. And then it's just a shitty dogfight for like twelve minutes. I mean, I would I wouldn't mind that because <laughs> that means that, the Kansas that's how every gonna, game. Yeah, that would be honestly if I had to if I were a betting man, that's what's going to happen is one team's going to get out to a big lead right away. 10, 15 points early on. And then then the other one's going to make, you know, it's just going to kind of hang there for a while. And then either someone's going to make a run right before half and it'll be close at half or it'll be like 10 points at half. And then someone's going to make a run and it'll be tied and it'll just be a tie ball game back and forth ball game for 12 minutes. That's just what it's going to be, and everyone's going to hate it for the last 12 minutes of the game. I mean, how is that any normal than – how is that any different it's not than normal? It's going to be a fun 12 minutes where it's like, oh, three here, three there, dunk here, dunk there. It's not going to be that. No. It's going to be a bunch of turnovers and shitty fouls and stuff like that. It's just going to so, be – So what you're saying is we got a preview of what this game's going to look like with the women's game 
last night. Yeah, kind of. Just yeah. tons of defense, not really a lot of good offense. You're going to get extremely pretty, pretty frustrated. in offense. <laughs> really bad calls. Yeah, you're just going to get ex- like frustrated screaming. the entire night. Everybody's screaming at the TV like, what the hell was that? What are you doing? Yeah, that's Coaches on the bench, oh, bench jumping up and down and yelling at the yeah. refs. <laughs> Trying to make this game as disgusting as possible. That is Iowa State's game plan. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Yep. Well, let's go ahead. Uh, in the last few minutes that we have here, you know, the fact that these two teams are kind of towards the top of the conference, and yet I'm looking at Ken Palm projections, and Kansas is projected to be 10-8 and eight on the season. Iowa State 11-7. and seven. Um for whatever reason, they love Houston, and Houston is projected to be fourteen and four. Houston but is not as good as people think they are. No, I know. Um, I mean, but well, not, I mean, not. To, I mean, not only are they just not that as good as people think. I mean, I would say destroyed them. Um, I mean, they came back towards the end, but they were they were up by fifteen that whole game. Um, yeah, yeah. But but they also like because they lost. Um, what's his name? He's hurt. Um, shit, I can't remember his name. You're talking about uh, yeah, uh, um. Arcanel, or however you say his name, Terrence. Yeah, 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 Ar- yeah, Arcanel, or whatever his name is. Yeah, I mean, because he's out for the season, so you know, is one of those things. They lost, you know, one of their better scorers, and I don't know. They're just not as good as people think they are. And also, Kelvin Sampson sucks. I don't like Kelvin Sampson. He is very entertaining um, in a Bob Huggins sort of way, but sure. But he's also a lot more. He's also not likable like Bob Huggins is. That's fair. That's Bob fair. Huggins. He seems like a likable enough guy. He's kind of a kind of a dickhead and whatever else, but like. He's a likable enough guy or whatever like that, but I don't, I don't like Kelvin Sampson because he was after they got after that after that game he was like, like oh it's not so much about Iowa State we just play bad stuff like that it's like it's oh yeah complete, I saw that which is oh. the complete which is the complete polar opposite of what Bill Self does he says you know what we played like garbage but you know what credit goes to the other team oh yeah so I like that's why like I love to hate Bill Self like obviously play he's Kansas head coach so I gotta hate him but I mean. He's really hard. Right. To he is the guy. He's the guy that you hate, but that you respect. Oh, I respect the hell out yeah. of Bill Self. I mean, like, I, I, I wish Bill Self were our coach. I mean, like, I love TJ, but like, if I had to pick between him and Bill Self, I'd take right. Bill Self. If, if you had an you opportunity know? to hire him today, you would absolutely yes. do it. Which, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing. Is like, it's like I just I respect the hell out of Bill Self, and I think I think people are starting to just respect the hell out of TJ too. I think people are starting to. He's not. He's not the same cloud as Bill Self does, but you know, I think you know, it's just two well-respected coaches and i i really like i said i really respect bill self and in the way bill self you know handles losses and things like that and even handles wins whatever is like complete polar opposite of how kelvin sampson ha- handled that game up in hilton it's like key too man like like okay yeah sampson um i think a lot of that was just him feeling disrespected in general from the way a lot of people were talking and it's like i mean yeah sure whatever you can you know, get out of your feelings. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just looking at this conference, though, it it is a dogfight every single night. I don't really know what to expect other than the fact that the home team probably has a huge advantage every single night. Um, but what have your general thoughts been on the conference as a whole? And then how many, how many teams do you think that they're going to get in the tournament this year? Well, right now, the 12th place team in the conference is BYU, who is ranked. So... <laughs> You know, it's. I think the record for a conference is eleven with the Big East back in '09 or something like that. When back when it was like West Virginia and Pitt and Louisville and all these teams or whatever. There's a non-zero chance. Now I don't think like UCF is going to sneak in there. Um, I'd be, I'd be pretty surprised because I think UCF is like middle of the standings right now. Um, yeah, they're at, they're at three and three with a whole bunch of other teams. I'd be kind of surprised if they were able to hang around in the middle of the, the middle of the. No, season. I think that they'll have a really good NIT run. I think right. so too. I mean, like, I think, I think I would say, I think, I think the Big Ten or sorry, Big Twelve will get minimum ten. I think they'll get ten for sure, and then eleven and twelve depends on what else happens. Yeah, I think Texas beating Oklahoma really kind of helped the bubble. Um, well, and, and like, because there, there's no team that's gonna, there's no team in this conference that's gonna go like, that's gonna go like, fifteen and three or some shit. Like, there's like, there's no good, there's not gonna be any runaway, any total right. runaway team in this in this league. So like, the first place team may legitimately be eleven and seven or twelve and six or something like that, where they're just, you know, they're above five hundred, but not like dramatically far above it. You know, where so like, you know, being 
seven and 11 or something like that in conference is still probably going to be enough to get you into the tournament. So, you know, you can be, you can be multiple games under 500 in, in this conference and still get into the tournament fairly easily. So, you know, I, I'm going to say 10 right now, but I think there's a possibility they could get up to 12. Yeah. I mean, I think 12 is possible, but it's probably going to require having two teams in the, you know, first, first four games, which the first four, but yeah, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, when you no, have that I mean, many teams, it's going to happen. But yeah, I, I mean, mean it, it's just it's just hilarious to me. Like this, the just how good the conference is. I mean, it's just. Well, I, I think know. even it's, better than that is you look across the conference, and there is only. Uh, I'm I mean, sorry, West Virginia is the only team that you're looking. West Virginia, and Oklahoma State are the only teams you're looking at right now. Is like they're they're not making it. They're right. They're just not good enough. They're also the only teams that are under 500, and they're also. Like everyone else is at least five games over five hundred, right? Like it's not even close. And so, like this is I mean, a conference that like- I thought put together a really good non-conference schedule for each of the teams, and they're showing up in conference as well. Right? I just man, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, if you look at it right now, I mean, like the like on on Ken Palm's uh, conference rankings, like. The Big East is, like, unusually good this year. I mean, it's usually a decent conference, but it's, like, unusually good this year. And the Big 12 is still two point two full points, uh, two more than two points ahead, which is, um, you know, the, bigger, the, the gap between the Big 12 and the Big East right now is bigger than the gap between the Big East and the Big 10. And the Big 10 is kind of a shit conference. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's roughly the same gap as the Big, 12, the Big 10 to the ACC, and the ACC is terrible. Um, so... You know, the the it's just a head and shoulders better than everybody else. I mean, I mean, you're looking at like looking at this right now. Texas Tech's in, Houston's in, Iowa State's in, Kansas State, Kansas is in, Kansas State's in, Baylor's in, TCU's probably in, Oklahoma's in, Texas. I don't know. We'll see about Texas. Uh, UCF side <laughs> probably not, but who knows? Maybe they hang on to it. Uh, BYU is going to be going to be in. Can't Cincinnati's probably a bubble team. You know. There's only two teams in this li- in this conference right now that you can look at like there's virtually no way they're getting like t like West Virginia Oklahoma State would damn they have to run the table to get in um, and yeah. they have to win a conference tournament or something like that but and maybe maybe that's how the twelfth team happens maybe maybe we get to the conference tournament and West Virginia goes on a run <laughs> yeah t- Texas Texas <laughs> is on the bubble as the twelfth team and they go on a run or something like that oh, I man. you know. It, be one of those things so you know i it'd be interesting yeah i I mean i think i think nine teams are pretty pretty safely in and you know there's a a couple more bubble teams from there yeah so i will say i the one thing that i'm super upset about is the fact that this is the only game between these two teams this year uh in the regular season so that sucks means that we're probably gonna have to you know see each other in kansas city like oh let's let's just make you know a, a big 12 championship you know, plan in the in the final game, it'll be KU versus Iowa State. That works, works for me. I mean, that's that's usually a pretty good. I mean, that's happened a few different. Times oh man, I can't wait. Good I can't wait yeah. for the Big Twelve tournament. It's going to be so much fun. It's be so good, especially since so good. they've now separated the men and the women. So now you can like you yeah. go to the women the week before, them. Yeah. right? Yeah. And then you can go to the men the week after that. So I'm looking forward to that. All right. Well, anything else about this team about this matchup that you think we need to make sure people know before we get out of here? Nope, just prepare to be miserable for a couple two and a half hours on Saturday. Okay, okay, yeah, same, same to you. I'm doing the same. I'm doing the same. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Prepare for it. Hopefully, it doesn't like, happen like, oh, for you're whoever you are. Or, right. This isn't me talking smack. This isn't me like, oh, you're, you're going to get dominated. No, I'm telling you, we're all going to have a bad time on Saturday. That's fair. Some of us for longer than two and a half hours. So yeah. All right. Well, Levi, for those that don't know, which I don't know how they don't know already, but where's the best place to find all your guys' coverage for I for for Iowa State? Yeah, at at wide rt natty lt. We're on Discord, yeah, podcast apps, yeah, YouTube, yeah, all that, everywhere. Yeah, we're over there. You're there. We're there. Exactly. All right. Well, strategy. You there? <laughs> Be there. <laughs> Be there. <laughs> All right. Well, Levi, thank you so much for joining me. And thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast. You can subscribe, get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you have a rating and review, five stars, nice comments. It would be absolutely fantastic. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, 
just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me at email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We, of course, are part of the 1012 Podcast Network covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference. Uh, you can find links to all the great shows that we have across the entire network by going to 1012network.com. And, of course, you can support us over on our Patreon. Um, you can pick whichever show in the network that is on that page that you want to support for just 5 bucks a month. There's some additional content that we are posting over there periodically to make it worth your while, but show, you can show your support that way. Uh, make sure you visit our sponsors, Charlie Hustle and Price Picks. Just absolutely fantastic stuff that they do, and you can get some really good deals with them. Uh, but that's going to do it for us today. Levi, once again, thanks for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.